Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, May 14th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. And happy Mother's Day to all of you out there. You know, we form our opinions based on two things. We form it on our experience, our personal experience, and also on the information that we take in. So it's really important where we get our information from. And you see that probably most clearly when you look at where people get their news so that there are some people who get their news from left-leaning organizations and to the contrary, some who get their information and their news from right-leaning news organizations. And because of that, people have completely different views of reality, two different perceptions of the United States in general. There are people who listen to left media broadcasts media outlets, who think there's no problem at our southern border, that it is secure, that it is closed fundamentally. And we hear this repeatedly when those media outlets highlight either Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security, or President Biden, or in press conferences with Karine Jean-Pierre, the president's press secretary. And then, of course, there are those people who think the southern border is a disaster, that it's wide open and it's not secure, that we are, in fact, in the middle of, I guess they call it, an invasion. And those people are people like Senator Ted Cruz of Texas and Senator Chip Roy of Texas and almost all of conservative talk radio. So what's true? Which is it? Well, What I can share with you, because I live in Texas, I don't live near the border, I live sort of smack in the heart of Texas, so to speak, but I have friends and neighbors, both in-state and out-of-state, who have family and friends who own ranch land at our southern border. And in the past couple of weeks, I've been talking to these people, and I'm hearing the same thing from everyone. And here's what I'm hearing that U.S. citizens who own land, ranch land mostly, farmland some, but mostly ranch land at the southern border on the U.S. side, all have to be armed, constantly armed. They have to patrol their fenced properties, and they have to add, and they've had to add in the last couple of months, particularly in the last few weeks, curled barbed wire on top of their existing ranch land fencing. They have to keep their barns locked. They have to keep the animals secure and only let them out in spurts, and they have to be watched when they're out. And that sometimes, at night, they let the illegals, they allow these people to cross through their fields, cornfields or other uh, vegetables that they're raising, or even just the grasslands for grazing for the cattle. They let these people cross at night unobstructed. Why? 
so that they will not harm their property or harm their persons, and so that the cartels will not attack their properties. So I would say to you that while every media outlet may have a bias, may have a political agenda, the people who don't have a political agenda are the people whose very lives are at stake, whose property is at stake at the border. Those are the firsthand accounts. And I'm hearing that from every single person I talk to who, as I said, has connections down at the border, either through close family or through friends. What are the consequences? Now let's talk about consequences because let's proceed on the premise that the truth is that the border is not secure, that it is open, that we have a vast amount of illegals coming across, some of whom are actually apprehended and an equal amount of what they call gotaways. What's the consequence of this kind of a border policy? Because it is a policy under the current administration. If it wasn't a policy, there would be doing something about securing the border. So what are the, let me go back, what are the consequences? Well, I read an interesting article a few days ago on a website called American Greatness. And the article is titled, How Multiculturalism Toppled Rome. And it's talking about the Roman Empire. I'm going to try to synopsize for you. It's a very long article, but it makes a couple of critical points. And here they are. Rome, starting with the ruler Caligula, had a succession of really insane rulers. Caligula to Nero to Commodus and and almost 50 others in addition to those three. And they were all pretty much in some way crazy, literally mentally ill. However, for over a thousand years, the Roman Empire survived. It survived, it prospered, and it ruled the world. Why? The article makes the point that there was a single feature that was the sustaining, I would call it, factor in how the Roman Empire survived even crazy leadership. And it was this. Every single culture or country or region or tribe, whatever you want to call it, that the Romans conquered, they integrated into the Roman culture. Every subject of the Roman Empire had to speak the same language. They had to be able to read Latin, and they had to be able to speak the same language. Citizenship was earned, and as a result, it was prized. Now, almost a thousand years later, there was a medieval Arab historian whose name was Ibn Khaldun. And he wrote the following quote, and I share it because it's an explanation after the fact and supported by this article in American Greatness of how the Roman Empire survived. Quote, Societies rise and fall with the ebb and flow of a social bond that Ibn Khaldun called Asabiya. Asabiya, I think that's the correct pronunciation. So asabiya means, in essence, social cohesion or like an esprit de corps, right? A, a unification, a unity among the population. And the Roman Empire had it. 
it had it definitely for a thousand years and arguably it, it, it could have been argued, could be still argued that it had it for almost 2000 years. And here's what the article on American Greatness said. Incentives for individuals to integrate themselves as Romans were clear. A Gaul or a Spaniard did not get ahead by being Gaul or Spaniard, but by becoming a Roman. Rome's melting pot ethnic policy, combined with its liberal enfranchisement, meaning its liberal policy of making conquered people citizens, helped make the Roman Empire incredibly resilient to both internal and external threats. Now, I found that fascinating. Why? Well, because we used to be a melting pot. The United States of America used to be a melting pot. We used to welcome people, and when they worked hard to become part of the greater culture and advance themselves, we were open to their efforts. Yes, there were shortcomings. Yes, there was bigotry. Yes, there was bias against Irish, against the Catholics, against the Jews. It happened. It existed. But nonetheless, immigrants who came here legally, who came through at the time Ellis Island, came from Europe after World Wars I and II, those immigrants who came legally were given whatever opportunity they were willing to work hard enough for to integrate into society and to become financially independent. Yeah, in their homes, they remain spiritually and ethnically tied to their heritage. I mean, I saw it in my own family. My maternal grandparents and my paternal grandparents who came from Poland and Russia They learned English by watching television. Learning English was really important. It made them feel American. It made them feel part of the culture. Yes, at home, they spoke Yiddish. They read Yiddish newspapers, but they also spoke English at home. But in public, they only spoke English. Publicly, we were united in our citizenship and we had deference to the country that was the United States, one nation under God. My grandparents worked hard, saved a lot, and eventually came to own a furniture store and raised my maternal grandparents, raised my mother, who grew up to be one of the first women in her generation with a career track. There were no handouts. There was no welfare. There weren't food stamps. There weren't free Obama phones. There wasn't free Obama money. Yes, religious groups and cultural groups and organizations assisted them, but they worked hard and they wanted to become part of America. They wanted to learn the language. They wanted to be part of the culture. It's not that way now. We are divided now. We are divided by race, by ethnicity, by gender, by economic status, by political preferences, and we are encouraged to be dependent on government. We're addicted to the technology, and that manipulates our preferences as well. And there is no pride in being an American citizen. In fact, there is entitlement. There's an entitlement attitude by anyone and everyone who sets foot inside our border, regardless of whether they do it legally or do it in violation of the law. So what are the consequences of what's currently happening at our southern border? Well, the Roman Empire should be instructive. 
it should be instructive. As I listen to the apathy and, and worse, the denial of what is occurring at our border, I finally understand, not intellectually understand, but understand in my very core how Germany went down the path that it did when Hitler laid out that path. And the reason was they were apathetic and they were in denial about what was happening. Yesterday, one of the people I referenced early in the podcast in this episode, one of my friends who lives in northwestern Indiana but has relatives on the Texas border, texted me and she said, what are we going to do about it? And I said, we stand now or we perish. And she wrote back, I agree, but who has the ability to organize people? And again, I responded, we don't need organization, we need courage. Courage is contagious. One person can change history and has repeatedly. Moses, Jesus, Joan of Arc, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, Rosa Parks, that Turkish street vendor who set himself on fire in protest, the student or students in front of the tanks in Tiananmen Square. One person, one voice can change the tide. One person can energize and mobilize others to do the same. So what do we have to do? Or what does one person have to do? What does each of us have to do? Well, I think we have to speak truth. We have to look at what's happening and not be apathetic or be in denial, but speak truth. Now, I did a whole podcast recently on this issue of truth and how important it has been to me in my life and why I think always it's the easiest path to follow because when you tell it, when you tell the truth, and there is objective truth, by the way, there isn't just my truth and your truth. That's very trendy now, and everybody wants acknowledgement for their truth, no matter how much their truth flies in the face of what may be objective reality. There is absolute truth about certain things. If you murder someone who is coming at you with the intention to kill you, and they have the means to kill you, and they have the intent, as I said, to kill you, and you shoot in self-defense. The reason that self-defense is a justifiable response to someone trying to kill you is because the objective reality is, is that it's about to be them or you. And since you weren't the aggressor they are, then there is objective truth in a determination by a jury of an acquittal of an accusation of murder or first or second degree homicide. There is truth. There isn't just my truth, your truth, and subjective truth. What the ranchers and the U.S. citizens, all of them at the border, what the Border Patrol, what the Department of Public Safety in Texas is telling us is happening at the southern border, that's all true. Let's not be like the good German people. Let's not be apathetic and in denial. Let's speak the truth and let's demand the truth. Let's not allow public officials who, in the world we've 
come to live in believe that they have no accountability for however false their statements may be or however corrupt their behavior may be, let's not allow them to get away without demanding the truth. You know, St. Augustine said, the truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose. It will defend itself. I believe that if we simply begin to speak the truth, stand up for the truth, demand the truth, that we have still at this late hour the opportunity to turn around the current trajectory of this country. Because I believe the trajectory of this country at the moment is headed for self-destruction. You know, yesterday, a neighbor of mine who gets his information from the political left, from left-leaning media, said to me, well, you know, we've lasted 300 years. I think we're doing okay. And I wrote him back and I said, the Roman Empire lasted a thousand years, minimum. And it didn't do okay in the end. And there was a reason that it ended. And that reason is something that I went through in the beginning of this podcast. 300 years is infancy. It's newborn on the spectrum of the time of humanity, on the time that civilization has been on the planet. 300 years is a blip. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean the United States will automatically survive. It doesn't mean a constitutional republic for the first time on the planet Earth will prevail. It has to acknowledge a power greater than ourselves, and then it has to care for and nourish what it is that we've been gifted. We haven't done that. We're still not doing that. There are people who are standing up, not enough of us yet, but there is the possibility that that one voice will emerge, that one voice that says, in every generation, there are things worth dying for. I believe that when you cross that point, where you're unwilling to stand up for the most fundamental principles of values and you are in denial of reality, you will eventually die. You just won't die by your own hand. You'll die by those who seek to control and enslave because along the way, at every juncture, when you had the opportunity to say, no, this is where I plant my feet in the sand, this is where I take my stand, this is the battle I'm willing to fight, you fail to do it. And then ultimately, the forces of darkness, the forces of control, the forces, the forces of enslavement that have been on this planet as long as humans have been on the planet prevail. Let's not abdicate that responsibility on our watch. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.